Hello everyone. Welcome to Monsters and Masterpieces. I'm Raven, she, her. I'm B, she, her. And this is my favorite month, Spooky Month. Halloween! It's the time when I feel most alive, which is very ironic. But we have a very special subject lined up all month, and it's going to be the history of Halloween. Because as you know, Halloween is the whole month. It's not just the 31st. It is the whole month. And I would argue all of September and half of November. Just, you know, the entirety of fall. Thanksgiving is just a feast attached onto Halloween. <laughs> And then Christmas is just sparkly Halloween. <laughs> sparkly Halloween? Yeah, because I, I leave up a lot of my Halloween decorations and I just do more Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> for you, it's sparkly Yeah, Halloween. for me, it's sparkly Halloween. Um, so I'm going to take us through uh, like the earlier history of Halloween. And uh, next, our next episode, B is going to take us through some more modern developments surrounding Halloween and the way that we know it today. Two-parter. Two-parter. And today we're going to start off sort of in the middle of events surrounding Halloween. Because of this dude, Charles Valancey, uh, he was a British military engineer, and he also thought he was a scholar. He thought. He thought he was a scholar. He was a scholar. <laughs> he wrote several books about ancient Celtic traditions, including the festival of Samhain, or as you might know it, Samhain, if you try to pronounce it how it is spelled. It's actually pronounced Samhain. And Samhain was the Celtic New Year celebration, and it marked the end of summer. Valancey, however, thought all of these historians that compiled information about Samhain uh, were wrong. And in his books, he said that the festival was uh, celebrating the Lord of Death, or Balsab. Even though Balsab doesn't appear in any Celtic lore or monuments. His books became really popular in Britain, even though he was denounced in 1818 for, uh, you know, spreading misinformation. And I'm sure a lot of people will be relieved to know that their ancestors were woke and part of the cancel culture. Because, you know, actions actually had consequences throughout history. Who would have guessed? <laughs> there were books written in the 1950s that perpetuated his false information, and Christian groups all the way into the 1990s used his books to protest Halloween because, quote, human beings were burned as an offering in order to appease Samhain, the Lord of Death. Oh my god. It's interesting that uh, they were so against Halloween because the word Halloween is derived derived from uh, 
All Saints Day, which is a Catholic holiday celebrated on November 1st. Uh, it was also known as All Hallows Day. And uh, many characteristics of Samhain were appropriated by the Catholics to convert people to Catholicism. Pretty normal. It's pretty so, standard. Most yeah. holidays are like that. Yeah, we're going to get into that a lot. That's basically all I'm going to be talking about for like the next 30-ish minutes is controversy. <laughs> controversy. Piping hot tea. So Samhain marked the end of the harvest season on October 31st. Food and other supplies were stocked on Samhain. If the harvest was great, they had feasts and drinks and there was like trading going on. They also slaughtered their livestock and prepared it for the upcoming winter season. And they got rid of any unusable pieces such as bones in bone fires, or as we know them today, bonfires. The Celts also believed that there were that there was a uh, a thinning of the veil on Samhain night. They felt like spirits could temporarily cross over to join the living. Sometimes food offerings were left out for the departed loved ones. But uh, with Aunt Edith also comes other things, small mischievous things, such as fairies and elves, and possibly some sinister energies. To avoid being noticed by more malevolent spirits, the living would wear a disguise. It started with rubbing ashes on their face, and then evolved into masks, and then that kind of inspired the costumes that we know today. And the beginning of Samhain was signaled with a call-and-response fire practice. A fire on the Hill of Ward in Meath, Ireland would be lit, and then on the hill across from it, the Hill of Tara, a larger fire would be lit and the festival would begin with that. And these hills were very significant to their culture because uh, these hills were related to stories about their harvest gods. And if we look at the first image that is a panoramic shot of the Hill of Terra. And at these sites, there are burial mounds that hold mostly cremated remains of hundreds of people. And it was home to a specific village of people. And so anybody could be cremated and put in this burial mound and then later on, these burial mounds became reserved for the elite once, I guess, more people moved into the area and the population grew. So in modern terms, uh, Samhain basically took place in a cemetery. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's really neat. I mean, you have the thinning of the veil, so you're, like, going to celebrate with your dead ancestors. So it's very Bring much... the party to them. Yeah, very much like Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. Yes. Which I want to do a whole episode on someday because I think that is, like, just the most beautiful tradition to me. Going to the cemetery, having snacks. Partying it up. Yeah. Just 
building a shrine to your deceased loved ones for one night, putting out their favorite things. I think it's beautiful. I would love to actually experience it one day, but we'll see. And so these practices during Selen, they took place before written record. So it's hard to say how much we know of Selen for sure. Um, at these two hills in particular, there were dozens of statues, um, stuff like that. And so I think it's mostly they have a, a word of mouth history. And then they had these monuments that are mostly destroyed now um, that they kind of piece together information about what the festival was like. So, yeah, we don't know exactly what happened, but we have ideas mm. of what happened. Probably don't know the whole story. And there were also, at a much, much later time, there was the writings of Christian monks. And by this time, the traditions would have been pretty well established. So monuments at the Hill of Terra date back to the Neolithic period, so sometime between 6,000 and 2,000 BCE. And as far as we know, Christian monks didn't show up until 5th century CE. Hmm. So there, these practices could have been established for thousands of years by the time anything was ever written about them. Wow. And in the 7th century, uh, Pope Bonifaci IV declared May 13th as All Saints Day, also known as All Hallows Day. But in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III moved the date to November 1st, likely to Christianize Samhain because the Christians felt that pagans and their holidays needed to be, quote, redeemed. <laughs> Even though forcing someone to give up their lives and traditions, then taking credit for their ideas is one of the least redeeming qualities I can think of. Ooh, got him. Just saying. A little, a little hypocrisy right there. The original date of May 13th was chosen because it was when the Roman festival Lemuria took place. And Lemuria was used to honor deceased loved ones and appease angry spirits. So kind of similar to Samhain. The Romans would leave food offerings, salt, wine, wreaths, and uh, violet flowers as offerings. And during this time, the pagan origins of the Pantheon were removed, and Pope Bonifaci dedicated it to St. Mary instead. And after Christianity co-opted these pagan holidays, the celebrations were replaced with prayer and fasting, which sounds like the exact opposite of what these festivals had going on for before. Bonfires were still lit, but it was in honor of Christian figures. They also recognized the changing of the seasons still, but instead on focusing on the power of Earth, it was changed to recognize Christ as the changer of seasons. In the 16th century, the practice of souling was documented. This involved poor people 
especially children, going door to door to ask for cake in exchange for prayers. Hmm. This became popular popular with the rise of purgatory as a threat. People believed that they had to donate money to the church and receive prayers or else their souls would be stuck and tormented after death. Manipulation was the new sensation. (laughs) As it always is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it never went out of style. Shout out to our very first sponsor, Geeky Bees Nails. They made our Munsters and Masterpieces nail polish, which is selling super quickly. So get yours right now at their Etsy shop. I love our nail polish because I've always had a really hard time with sparkles. It either feels like really rough or chunky, but this goes on so smooth, like butter. It is super long lasting, very quick drying, I love it. It's some of the best nail polish I've ever had, and I am obsessed with nail polish. So definitely get yours while you can. Yeah, and Geeky Bee Nails also has other nail polishes that are uh, fandom-based. So they've got, like, a Naruto collection. They have Plus Ultra, so My Hero Academia. Yeah, they definitely have a ton of fandoms. They have a lot more coming out. They gave us a little sneak peek. So there's a little something there for everybody. They are free of harmful chemicals and they are cruelty free, which I always love and appreciate. And you can find them on our website, on our shout outs page. There's a link to their Etsy shop. Or you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash geeky bees nails. Check them out today. In the 17th century, Guy Fawkes Day, altered the Christianized traditions a little bit. Guy Fawkes and other Catholics tried to assassinate the Protestant King James I by causing an explosion, but Guy Fawkes got caught with a shit ton of gunpowder, and the plot was foiled. So no assassination. Guy Fawkes, of course, was sentenced to death, and November 5th became Guy Fawkes Day, and it was celebrated with bonfires and anti-Catholic sermons. People would feast and drink and light fireworks. Poor children would go door to door and ask for food or money while wearing masks. And if the homeowner refused, the children would threaten to vandalize the property. (laughs) So this is where trick or treat comes in. Give me a treat or else I'm going to destroy your shit. That's interesting that Guy Fox was... Part of, like, Halloween tradition. Who knew? Oh, I know. He wasn't just in V for Vendetta. (laughs) He's not just anonymous. Yeah, he's not just anonymous. Um, Yeah, things got really intense after Guy Fawkes because part of this Guy Fawkes festival that they would have, um, they would make an effigy of Guy Fawkes and also the Pope and start them on fire fun and like walk around torturing these dummies (laughs) and uh yeah it's pretty 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 intense um violent times um so yeah people were really passionate about discovering a dude with gunpowder i mean barrels and barrels and barrels and barrels of gunpowder but still 
they were really proud of themselves and dedicated a whole day to him, which I feel like is the opposite effect. Like, kind, kind of counterproductive when you want to hate somebody. <laughs> Recognize them every year. That's just... Whatever. You do you. That's fine. Of all the holidays to come to North America, the Puritans brought Guy Fawkes Day. They refused Christmas, Easter, any other uh, Catholic-related holidays, but they kept Guy Fawkes Day because it made them feel morally superior to Catholics. Guy Fawkes Day was celebrated here until the American Revolution, and during the potato famine of 1845, the Irish were forced to emigrate to other countries for survival, and some of them came here, and uh, they brought remnants of Samhain as well as All Saints Day, because Catholicism had been in Ireland for centuries at this point. So... We got souling and the carving of jack-o'-lanterns, which were originally carved on turnips. Children carried turnip lanterns while they were souling to keep away evil spirits. But turnips were really hard to carve, so it was replaced with pumpkins after the Irish moved here. Turnips? Yeah. How would you carve a turnip into a lantern? Um... Well, I can show you a final product. <laughs> if you go to the images, uh, I think it's probably image number three. Yeah, image number three. It's a plaster cast of a turnip from, like, 1700s. What the fuck? It's creepy. That's scary. Yeah, it is. They gave it little teeth and everything. I see that. So they just, like, worked away at hollowing out a turnip, and then I guess we had a lot of pumpkins, and they were like, oh, you know what, this is actually pretty sturdy, but also easy to carve, so... Pumpkins it is. Yeah. This works out way better. Guy Fawkes Day is no longer observed, but there is still some vandalism associated with Halloween, I think just TPing and egging is really the most mischievous thing I've heard of. I've never seen it done though, so. I've seen a teepee house before. I always thought it would be kind of fun to teepee a house, but I'm also a really short person and I don't have a good arm, so I think I would just be frustrated. <laughs> but also that's such a waste of toilet paper. And if yeah. COVID has taught us anything, it's that we don't take toilet paper for granted. Not unless you have a bidet. Oh, yeah. Bidets are where it's at. Yeah, I kind of wish bidets were normalized here. In America. Yeah. I know. It'd be so amazing. That was, like, the one thing we should have brought over from Europe. Right? The like, fuck? Like, maybe... America. Maybe leave Gunpowder Boy there. Bring, bring your bidet. Bring bidets. <laughs> In the 20th century, Halloween parties became popular in Kansas, of all places, Kansas, after Elizabeth Krebs wanted to deter young people from vandalizing the town. There were games, costumes, food decorations, and live music. 
The first appearance of the phrase trick-or-treat occurred in 1927 in a Canadian newspaper. The festivities continued until World War II because there was a sugar famine that put a damper on things. And then uh, Halloween traditions didn't pick back up until 1950s, which is where I leave us. Because B is going to take over modern day things and we'll learn about uh, maybe some creepy costumes. Creepy costumes. Uh, what's your other images in here? So our second image that I forgot to mention as I was going through my notes because I forgot to give myself the cue to do that. Uh, image two is Guy Fox dressed up in a mask and looks like an imitation of a pope costume. Kind of has a chicken butt. Yeah, it is kind of a chicken butt. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But this uh, appeared in basically a newspaper in 1850. Oh yeah, this is like a political cartoon, I can tell. Yeah, this is definitely this is satire, cartoon. yeah. Yeah. Preparing to blow up all of England. I like the dude in the background, the metal dude. I like his face. It's they funny. Kind of look like the Three Stooges. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> My last one is one of the one of the depictions that we have of Halloween night. And this is actually uh, from a poem where. Uh, the word Halloween was first, not first, but one of the only times it was formally mentioned as Halloween, and these people are gathered around a fire. Uh, usually they would play games, like play with tarot cards and try to do psychic readings, stuff like that. Um, they would have like maybe some bobbing for apples. So this is, it's not that, um, it's not that Halloween parties didn't become, didn't first exist in 1914 with Elizabeth Krebs. It's that, uh, I guess they were very intentional then, but then here, like the Irish were already having parties on Halloween and just kind of having small gatherings. Hmm. But I think 1914 is when we had the first, like, we're going to do the Halloween decorations, we're going to do Halloween food, we're going to have Halloween music. Like it was very <laughs> all-out uh, celebration of Halloween things. And so, yeah, that's uh, the origins of Halloween. I mean, there was a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of information and uh, the book that I read for this, it's going to be in my sources on our website. There was a lot of things attached to Halloween. But this kind of seems to be the most linear evolutionary path that I saw between multiple sources. So this is... Uh, 
yeah, lots of um, Halloween is from a lot of chaos and a lot of uh, really like five old traditions. Yeah, five different holidays. Yeah. Crammed into one. Yeah. That's kind of interesting that the Guy Fawkes Day came over in America and then it just ended after the revolution. I wonder why it ended. Was it because of the war? Or is there something like happened that after the war they were like, hmm? I would imagine it was because Guy Fawkes was primarily British holiday and with the American Revolution we were claiming to want to be apart from the monarchy and kind of do our own thing so they were probably like you know fuck your british holidays we're making our own yeah i mean i could see if like they had like twisted it in more of like guy fox is awesome day fuck the british yeah yeah um yeah i could see that happening too i don't i don't know how that didn't happen before it just seems very counterintuitive to be like we will mention this guy every year on November 5th and talk about what he did but we're gonna it's gonna be like a bad thing like how is that a bad thing kind of like how they say in Hollywood like there's no such thing as bad publicity like all publicity is good publicity yeah that's kind of what it reminds me of like why are you making a day dedicated to somebody you hate that's a good point i don't know it's i can see it as being like a cautionary tale like oh he failed because Mm. we're british and we're strong and we're cool you and can't defeat the... The British. You can't defeat The us. Protestants. Yeah, you can't defeat us. And then they turn around and send their kids out to bully people. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, getting part of Halloween. I'll be honest, I thought there was going to be a lot more imagery associated with Halloween throughout the years, but there's really not. It's really hard... To find anything because you know once everything became Christianized and cultures were kind of railroaded and traditions were given up um, I can imagine things got really messy and skewed yeah and then you have you know British military engineers that uh, go on vacation in Ireland and make up a bunch of stories and uh, change the course of uh, Halloween forever by giving people something to, to latch onto in terms of it being evil. And that's something that's still happening today. Like, Apparently, there was this mom in Texas who said that we shouldn't let our kids watch Hocus Pocus 2 because it brings evil into their lives. Oh, it's like those people who are like, don't read Harry Potter. Yeah. Like those kids that had to be... 
that couldn't watch or read Harry Potter or anything like that because their parents were weird about it. Yeah, I had a friend who was like that. Her mom wouldn't let her read Harry Potter because it was in, uh, like, quote, witchy language. It's like, it's just Latin. It's literally the origin of lots of languages. It's part of the language you're speaking right now. It's just Latin. And also it's fake. Yeah. Get over yourself. Okay, nobody's, nobody's conjuring the devil in the bathroom while reading Harry Potter, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of a funny image, though. I say that because I have a tapestry in my bathroom that says, please don't summon demons in the bathroom. <laughs> so, that's just kind of what came to mind. You can't bloody marry Harry Potter. <laughs> can't look in the bathroom mirror and go, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Well... Be excited for part two. Yes. Very excited to see what you have in store for us. It'll be a bunch of fun. Because that's when, you know, after the 50s is when Halloween starts to really kick off. Yes. Into what we know it as today. Yes. And creepy ass costumes. And I hope you are having a good spooky month. Yes. Go... Go get a pumpkin, go out to the pumpkin patch, go look at some fall leaves, go be a leafer. A leafer. And uh, if you like cider, drink some cider. If not, drink some hot chocolate. Because I love hot chocolate. Pumpkin spice latte. Oh yeah, pumpkin spice latte. Uh, and go get you some nail polish from Geeky Bee's Nails. And give yourself a some spooky nails. Do it. I have uh, my nails done up with the purple sparkles and some bats stamped on top. I'm going to post a picture. But let me tell you, if you're doing any sort of nail stamping, even though uh, Geeky Bee's Nails uses uh, some chunky glitter in some of their stuff, it doesn't phase the stamping whatsoever. It goes on so smooth. It's just amazing. It's the perfect glitter stamping polish in terms of a base coat. So go get you some. Alright, we'll see you next time. Good night. May the demons become confused on their way to your house. <laughs>